Well, I'm not sure what happened. We were going old school there for a minute with Tom Petty, and uh, it's just like the TFR day. Sometimes the music would mess up. Sometimes the guests wouldn't be here, which is the case. This Don Jeffries with you. I protest. Welcome to I protest. We come to you every Friday from just outside the Swamp and Festival of Washington, D.C. at the same time. Um, and we're keeping it exciting. Uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah, so we're supposed to have a, a great guest, a lawyer, uh, Rahul Manchanda, uh, who has a very interesting story to tell. And uh, we'll see if uh, he shows up so far. I just emailed him a little bit ago, but this is uh, this is uh, live radio excitement. I see people are already in. There's Steve Cameron. Good to see you. Kat Goya has been there for a while. Doug Waters. Anyhow, so uh, obviously I don't have any stories prepared, so we can just kind of uh, keep the you know, comments and questions uh, coming in the chat to keep me going. We may have uh, little John here if we can figure out how to contact him to bring him as well. But I hope to, I hope to have Ren Poole, Rahul Manchanda. There's Georgia Ann Brown. Good to see you, Georgia Ann. Only woman who's ever called me doll, at least that I know of. And I, I, I appreciate hearing that, George Ann. But um, so what do we have going on? I was I was reading, um, just going over Godlike Productions. That's my conspiracy central site, rents.com or Godlike Productions, where you have lots of cool conspiracy stories. So I was seeing that uh, uh, in our, our, our boys in blue, you know, I, I'm talking about the Jolly Coppers on parade quite a bit. And uh, the police in Utah... Now, they obviously couldn't get much of a racial thing out of this because I'm pretty sure this is white on white crime. I mean, it sounds like so. It's just like black on black. Nobody's interested in that. So apparently this cop shot a 13-year-old autistic boy uh, five years or several years ago. I don't know. And I, th I think he survived. But at any rate, he, he shot him like five times. Now, I shot at him 11 times. That's one of the things when you... You analyze the actions of our boys in blue, uh, you realize that there are worse shots than Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, they just can't shoot. So that's why when they shot that guy, uh, Moombier or whatever the guy was, I shot him like 500 times or whatever years ago or something. It's because it's they can't hit anything. So they miss like 90% of the time. So this this case, they missed him six of the 11 times. So presumably it's close range. So I don't know what else they hit. Maybe they killed a dog or something. But at any rate, he, uh, the cops... Uh, they finally ruled today that they ruled that uh, the killing was not justified. So it took them like five years to realize that shooting an 11, a 13-year-old autistic boy wasn't justified. But they're not going to prosecute the officer in question. Presumably, at least he was kicked off the force. So that's what happens. Even when they do something like that, they still don't get prosecuted. The best you can hope for is an acknowledgement that uh, it was um, – that it was right. Oh, there's and, and Georgia Ann has called me a doll again. Thank you, Georgia Ann. I tell you. And there's Sean Larler. Um, Jarlett, we're going to try to maybe get you on here. Uh, Katie, seeing who we have here. I protest right along with you, Katie says. Well, that's great. I'm glad. I hope presumably everybody here is protesting something. They got to be just making sure to see if that guy emailed me. Um, White Wolf said you can have me on again. We never got. That's true. That's true. You, uh, if you, uh, I don't know, uh, Billy, if you have White Wolf's contact info or something, we could do that. We could bring on. Let's let's wait and see if our guest shows up. Hopefully, he does. Um, Steve Cameron, my buddy, thank you. And Steve put out a um, a thing for my. I'm asking everybody to try to masking the truth, guys. Is is meeting up with full resistance 
I mean, the, the deep state is going uh, in full war against, they, they didn't pay attention to all my books put together. They, they, this one, they are really paying attention to. They're playing games with it on Apple. If you go to Apple books, I mean, I don't know why you'd go there to, but some people buy books there. So the book is being sold there. Like all my books are. And uh, it doesn't even have the paperback listed, but it has the ebook listed on Apple for $999. Now, obviously, the publisher didn't do that. I mean, it's, just, it's games like that. Google Books, if you search for it, you can't find it. It's banned from a Google Book search, but it's there. You have to go back to it. Same thing with WorldCat, which is a world catalog of uh, libraries. And that, that's what I'm asking people because I'm really frustrated with the library situation. You know, when I my, my book, The Unreals, came out, 2007, the first edition from a very small print-on-demand publisher in Danville, California. I, you know, I'm I'm an enterprising lad, and uh, I I hit up these libraries, and I I realized early on there was a way to get these these books in libraries, and I got it in hundreds of libraries all over the world. And uh, I don't think any book, you know, from that kind of background has been in as many libraries as the the Unreal is still in some libraries. I was looking the other day; I think it's still in San Francisco and some other places, but. Um, the point is that, so even something like that, where they know it's a very small publisher, you can get it in. So in this case, they're looking at the title and they are, uh, they're obviously just opposing it. It's in one library that I know of, thank, thanks to Washington County, uh, Washington County, Oregon, I think it is. That appears to be the only known library that has it. So um, what I'm asking, and that's why I thought when Steve Cameron, Steve Cameron has uh, put out something on Facebook today, Please suggest it to your libraries. We can we can overwhelm them, overwhelm the algorithm. If they get enough requests from people, they will eventually break down. Because I mean, all my other books got in. So, yeah, they, there was resistance at first, not like this, but there was great resistance at first. And uh, you just have to just suggest it. And if enough people suggest it, they'll get. So you have a local library. If you've been to college, unlike me, and you're a graduate. Uh, you know, suggested to your college library. A lot, my books are in a lot of college libraries. This would be perfect for that because college readers should really be reading it. Uh, they should be interested in it. It's their world uh, that they've they've created. So uh, please just consider doing that. And you can you don't have to if you go to your library in person, that's fine. But you can do it online. It's very quick. You just go and make a per, make a suggestion, suggest a title. All libraries on websites online have that. Uh, and you can just do it that way. And if they get enough, they will uh, they will get it. There's Cat Goya. <laughs> Cat Goya likes me TV. Me too. I, I like that too. You like the westerns, huh? Well, I still love. I'm still partial to the rural comedies that they uh, cleansed and got rid of in 1971 uh, when they were still uh, Andy Griffith show was the number one show on television. It's last year on the air. And uh, they still got rid of those shows. Andy Griffith, Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, they were, you know, to me, still the best situation comedies ever. And uh, they got rid of them because they were too rural. In today's vernacular, they'd be too white, probably white supremacist. And they got they brought in all the family, Sanford and Son. I mean, it's fine shows. But, uh, and uh, Kat, I think I've answered who the guest is today. Hopefully it will be Rahul Manchanda. And there's Chris Graves. Okay, if Chris is interested, I don't know, Chris, if you're interested, come on. Uh, Billy Ray can send an and, uh, invite to you and White Wolf because, I, I mean, I, I think this guy's going to come. Let me see. Uh, no, he has not answered yet. But um, – and there's Felix, my old buddy. 
But I think I, did, I didn't mean to offend him, but I just asked him about a story I read from 2015. He was involved in some interesting stuff, and he said he isn't sure if he's ready to discuss that. I said, hey, we'll discuss whatever you want. But because uh, he's, he's written some books and everything. So there's Deborah Wheeler. Thank you, Riley. Thank you. Uh, not a big hug to Riley and all our Facebook fans as well. I, uh, I will attempt, as I said, it's very hard to, to hug Riley. But she knows that she has a fan. I appreciate you being her fan. And maybe she'll wander over here later and we can get her on screen. And she's very hard to, you know, it's amazing I got her on camera that one time because she's not easy. John Lawler, Little John says Gunsmoke's the best. And White Wolf said he loved Green Acres. Green Acres is the most surrealistic show. I mean, if you watch that, was very, very, uh, you know, they, what they do with the credits, if you remember how they would... Uh, use the writers and the director and uh, the, uh, and they would interact like they would be floating above. And Lisa especially would say, Oh, there goes our names again. You know, and she would say, and she, it was so cute how they did that. And, and, you know, Oliver would just say, what? He goes, there comes the written buys. And if you watch that show, it was like an acid trip. It was because uh, they came up with such a great idea where they had this guy, uh, Eddie Albert, you know, played Oliver Wendell Douglas, three namer. And, um, he, uh, if you don't know the, the, the uh, plot line, he's a, a big New York lawyer, decides to, once he got in the, company, uh, the country and be a farmer. And as, uh, as Lisa would say, to grow seeds, to sprout up from the, the, rich, the rich earth and soil. And he makes these farmer speeches all the time. They play the little flute when he's doing it. Just, it's hilarious because he's the only sane one that everyone else, they have such a cast of characters from, you know, Fred Ziffel and, and Fred uh, Doris Ziffel and their pig Arnold, who they treat like a kid, Arnold Ziffel. Um, from it, it's madness everywhere. I mean, you're not you're not sure the reality doesn't exist at all there. But everybody and Lisa quickly catches on, and Ava Gabor does an incredible job, you know that. And uh, as uh, as Lisa Douglas, and she catches on, and she's part of the. It's basically a conspiracy against uh, against Oliver. And I mean, they'll mispronounce words. They'll, I mean, everything they do is crazy. But uh, he's the only one that's not in on that. He'll, he's just constantly exasperated. And of course, everyone agrees with the crazy. So if you have never seen Green Acres, uh, you're missing something, especially if you look at today's uh, entertainment. Go watch that. And I never know what I'm going to talk about here, but uh, so White Wolf thought that, that up. But uh, White Wolf says Green Acres you had to be AG to really understand. Well, you know, you you it's it's a very literate show, and uh, again, all those shows work. But uh, today, when DOJ appointed uh, Weiss as special counsel, the funny thing is Trump. Yeah, Georgiana, um, look like you nominated Weiss exactly, and that's and that's that. Let's talk about that. Uh, they. Uh, they nominated. You know, and this is again the game. While while Trump is being prosecuted daily it appears uh, this guy hunter biden they they already had offered him a sweetheart deal with the, i mean it's a, and it really what happened with biden is what should have happened with trump and anybody that has money because they, they always get the sweetheart deals it went on the you know rare chances they're prosecuted i mean the, a third string offensive tackle in the nfl gets the sweetheart deal uh they don't they're not punished like the rest of us are so they're not held accountable so uh when Hunter Biden was offered the sweetheart deal, which is basically probation, suspended sentence. That's why I call it the celebrity special probation and, and uh, suspended sentence. Community services. Well, I don't know if Hunter Biden will do that, but that's typically what they do to the athletes. So they 
they punished him by forcing him to host a golf tournament and sign autographs for adoring fans. And that's, uh, that's pretty much as close as they get to punishing them. So, but um, it was so bad that they threw it out, the plea deal. So, uh, so now they're doing a special prosecutor and the same guy, David Weiss, who offered him the sweetheart deal is the one who's the special prosecutor. So this, again, this is, it's such a joke. I mean, it's such a wink to the people. They don't even pretend. They don't even, it doesn't matter. They don't care. We are in full globetrotters versus Washington generals mode. The Washington generals, and unfortunately, all of us who don't like what the globetrotters are doing are forced into this Washington generals camp. And, you know, it's it's literally like watching a globetrotters Washington generals game and actually expecting the Washington generals to win or even have a chance. That's exactly what this has become. And uh, so you can expect a few Republicans to you know, grumble and, oh, this is crazy. And then as George Ann pointed out, again, in the ultimate, again, showing you why I call it the Trumpetstein project. The guy who offered Hunter the sweetheart deal and is obviously, you know, right on board with the woke leftists was appointed by guess who? Donald Trumpenstein. So this is a Trumpenstein appointment, which is a lot of his people are. He this this is an absolute joke, and maybe he'll complain about it like he does. I mean, so uh, this the, the political thing is so ridiculous. And Whitewell says, "Who are the Washington generals?" I don't believe you don't know. Okay, look, they used to have, um, and I said, you know, I think I'm the only one analyzing this, but from a sociological standpoint, the Globetrotters, Harlem Globetrotters, were always. I don't think anybody was, they were always all black, and I think they were started maybe the 1940s or 1950s. So. Obviously, in that era, there was white supremacy, and it was it was uh, real racism. But for some reason, they they thought up the idea that we're going to have these this all black team, and we're going to we're going to stage exhibitions against this all white team, the Washington Generals, and the Globetrotters are always going to win, and we're going to let them do all kinds of crazy stuff and circumvent the rules and flashy stuff, and the generals going to run around like the chickens with their head cut off. Now, who thought, who thought of an idea like that back in the 40s? I mean, now I, you can understand it, but back in the 40s and 50s? And these were exhibitions that, I mean, when I was a little kid, I, I didn't think anything of it. I used to enjoy watching Metal Arc Lemon and uh, Curly Neal and all the rest of them to do their do their things on television. It was very entertaining. I think you even had uh, you know, Scooby-Doo with the Harlem Globetrotters or something, or you know, <laughs> Gilligan's Islands meets the Harlem Globetrotters. You had all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But uh, so the generals are the designated losers there. And I'm saying that right now that the uh, today's Republicans, the Republicans, are the Washington generals. I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going to try to talk while I'm doing this. Now, he has not got back to me. Let me try again. Waiting on air. Did you get the link? All right, we'll see if he answered. Sorry about that, folks. But again, this is... Uh, those of you who listen to me on TFR know we went through this quite a bit. This is what, uh, and this is all, again, this is not the technical problems that I had there a lot, but this is just a guess thing. And I, I really don't know why. And, uh, you know, Billy was saying before, Tony has said before that I should just do this by myself. And, and maybe I should, and people seem to like it better. It's just that I, I'm not, in, I'm not prepared. I'm good talking off the cuff, but usually I've been uh, getting stories and bring them down. But, um, not able to do it. Let's see. Uh, White Wolf says, remember the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon, but I never saw the Washington Generals. Well, there, you didn't miss anything. And you're seeing the Washington Generals in action now. 
<laughs> it's all been a show for a long time, that's for sure. Harlan Stonewall says, Cuck serve it is cuck is in her name. And it, it, it's true. And uh, William Hale, it's Don's Wi Fi leg. I hope not. Is my connection okay? I think it's okay. Maybe it's down there in the land down under William Hale's. And, and William, you could, I, I, I got a hold of a friend, Australian men, but please, those of you in other countries, if Liz the Iron Maiden shows up or uh, anyone from the UK, Australia, please suggest masking the truth to your libraries as well. Um, again, I just I look at my other books and, you know, they're 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 all in libraries all over the country, India, places like that. Lots of uh, Australia and Canada. But uh, this one I can't even get in the U.S. So uh, I need your help and um, doesn't cost anything. And you, you want to help. That would be a wonderful thing to do. So uh, I don't if. Uh, John, if you have, do you have Billy Ray's phone number or anything? Maybe you could text him or his email. You could maybe text him what your uh, contact info is to send the uh, link to. White Wolf, you could do the same thing if you have uh, Billy Ray's. I think his email is, hold on, let me get his email up here. So if you want to come on, uh, go to uh, BRV1776 at... Uh, gmail.com. So email Billy Ray at brv1776 at gmail.com and he will hit you up with a link just so we can have a couple other people on if we can. Chris, that goes for you too, Chris Grace. I don't know if he's doing a... John says he follows him. Okay, so he's fo he follows you on Twitter, Billy Ray. John does. Okay. And I keep checking back just to see if Rahul... This is... Uh, Disappointing because I, I Rahul he, he has quite a story and he was uh, he was somebody that was had a lot of contact uh, a lot of um, I think he's a, a deep state defector is what his what his book is called but he uh, he was um, you know right in the Republican scene there is Billy Ray hey but, um John should send me a, a direct message because I don't know anybody's name on Twitter so if he okay. sends me a direct message then I'll, I'll be able to hit him back you got that John okay John's listening I think and. Uh, if White Wolf wants to be on, um, you know, the BRVs. Infinite the Infinite Fringe at Gmail. Oh, the Infinite, oh, the Infinite Fringe at Gmail. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Right. So um, just to add to a little bit, but because uh, I, I didn't get any stories. I mean, I, we can talk about all this stuff, but I uh, – and uh, what was I looking at? Uh, somebody was telling me, again, this this is this should be disturbing everybody, but, again, this this transgender stuff, man, they uh, – they're, they're going to make more and more. Uh, and I just read about a Catholic couple. I'm sure Billy Ray is probably a Catholic. Uh, I was raised Catholic, still have Catholic roots. I, I'll never be any other religion. You know, I, I don't believe in organized religion much anymore. But, um, you know, they they had a couple that uh, was uh, I, I don't know if it was Utah or somewhere they, they wanted to adopt children. They turned them down. Production, not for financial reasons, which is what usually happens or whatever, maybe because they were doing drugs or anything. They turned them down because they were Catholic. I'm not, I, I'm serious. I just imagine that happening to any other group. No, you can't adopt these kids because you're Jewish. What do you think would happen then? And uh, the reason why is because they didn't, they thought because they're Catholic, they would not have, uh, they would not be on board with the transgender thing. And what if their adopted kids want to transition? So that's, that's the, uh, 
And Harlan says he can come on too. So Har well, Harlan, uh, it, it, email Billy Ray at infrentfringe.com. Whoever wants it, we'll get people on here. Doug says, yeah, it was Massachusetts. It was, yeah. And that, and so Massachusetts supposedly has the second most Catholics of any state in the union. So, uh, you know, it's a very large group. So you're going to tell me that you're not going to be, so you, you're, as, as JFK said, you know, when he was running for president, he said, you know, if, if, uh, if millions of Americans lost their right to become president on the day they were baptized, it's the whole country that's the loser. And uh, so if, I don't know how many Catholics are in the state, but, you know, hundreds of thousands maybe, uh, if they lost their right to, to adopt a child on the day they were baptized, again, the whole country. And this, this is what I'm talking about. Discrimin so when people talk about discrimination, when people get fired for saying something about blacks or transgenders or gays or whatever, um, selected groups, they do that. We know that real discrimination is allowed. And it's certainly, you know, in generically on white people. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're game for that. In fact, I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was, uh, uh, what's the guy's name? O'Keefe from, I think it was him, Project Veritas, where he got undercover, some guy from Best Buy or something, where they basically, and I didn't look at it, but I'm sure the guy was white. It goes without saying, because these are the white people the ones pushing this anti-white agenda. But uh, it basically was revealing how Best Buy had this agenda to promote uh, LBGBTQ plus and, and go against white people, which again, this is just, it's so when people say discrimination, some discrimination, you go back to animal farm, some discrimination is more equal than others. It's not a get, discrimination people are against. There's little John. All right. There's little John. Good to see you little John. Can you hear me little John? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good to see you. So, uh, so it's, you, you wanted to come on today, and it, as it turns out, uh, <clears throat> you're filling a void. So, what's new? What What did you want to talk about, John? It's, it's always great to see you in the chat room, and I appreciate the fact that you're the only one who's a, bit, a fan of my shirts. Typically, oh, Billy Ray uh, praised this one today. <laughs> I put my shirt on just for you today. I'm telling you. Wow, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I read up on your guest for about a half an hour before the show, and I'm sorry he's not here. I hope he still shows up, but I, I don't. I can't imagine he was offended, but I just I just asked him. I felt because I'm looking in background on him, and I'm trying to find. Okay, I know this guy has you know he's got a story, and uh, he had some really interesting stuff happen in 2015. Now I hesitate to say it because although it's all over the news, but um, where he basically was an insider. And then he got marginalized. And so I mentioned that to him and he said, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't know if I'm prepared to talk about it today. I thought I was going to talk about my book. And I said, that's fine. So we'll talk about whatever you want. Did you get the link? He hasn't responded since. So I hope somehow he's not offended, but uh, it is what it is. What would you talk to him about if you were going to have a conversation? Uh, well, I, I was going to ask him about that, but I, I feel like I shouldn't talk about that now, but he was, he's, um, I, I believe they were trying to take his law license away. He's an immigration lawyer primarily, but he's also kind of gone into our world where he, if you look at his Facebook page, he posts, uh, you know, typical stuff, Christopher Ray lying before Congress, that kind of stuff. He had a post about that. So uh, I think we would just talk about politics, but I, you know, I wanted to center it around. It looked to me like he was a typical, 
uh, conservative guy who was being groomed as an Indian, maybe to make, you know, the right more diverse. And he, you know, uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't on board with the neocon policy and they kind of, uh, it looks like they went after him, but I, again, I don't know. And that's why I would like to talk to him about it. But, uh, and, uh, George Ann, who's a doll herself loves John's green screen. <laughs> it's, a green real, screen? it's a real bookcase. It's falling down. I'm sorry. Okay. So that's right. That's got it. But, uh, so how did John, how did you get, uh, first of all, how did you get the name little John? Are you a fan of Robin hood or is that, did somebody christen you with that? Or do you call yourself that? No, I was born and raised in Brooklyn and my dad's name was John. So I was always oh, yeah. called little John. So gotcha. Gotcha. you got me right there. Well, when did you, yeah. uh, how did you start going down these rabbit holes? What, uh, what you brought you into our world as a, uh, as a uh, enemy of the state? Well, like I said, I grew up in New York City, and I could see that things were not Oh, here's right. Manchin. Uh, you know, things are just not right, even when I lived in New York City, and I moved down here to North Carolina. And I'm so glad I got out 30 years ago, but uh, things are just very strange, Don, you know? Oh, yeah. No, almost, you could see the writing on the wall. No, no, it is, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead and talk. I'm I'm answering. Uh, Raul Raul answered me, but he's not coming on. Um, and he got some uh, bad news about his wife. So, uh, oh, I hope it's not bad. Yeah, I hope so too. But he 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 said he didn't get the link though. So why didn't I don't know. Like I guess that I did the point where uh, I may just get to the point of scrapping guests, <clears throat> especially if they have any kind of. Uh, name of course that's what people were trying to get you know and uh it's just i don't know it just seems to be uh you know touch and go every time and i don't know why because i i do lots of interviews i'm on the other side of the, of the microphone more often than not than interviewing people and uh i feel I, bad i feel bad when your guests don't show up yeah it, it's frustrating because i mean I, I i've never done this knowingly to anybody and i've done god i don't know how many interviews i've done since you know 2014 or whatever and uh i've never once done that i've had it done to me way too often and it's uh and i understand sometimes things happen but um uh, it's frustrating and what can you do there's nothing you could do white wolf I, wanted, says, I wanted to ask him a legal, legal question but uh i guess that's not going to happen no i guess not so i don't know i tried but uh Says uh, uh, White Wolf says you look like you're well prepared for World War Three. And White White Wolf, if you want to come on, contact Billy Ray. We we'll get you in here, so you can come on again. White Wolf is very interesting. Uh, White Trump Wolf, I have an upstairs to this building that you know, I got it going on. I have a well outside. You know, I moved to the mountains. I have a well. You know, well, so many of you guys. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, on my Substack. It's it's comical how many people that comment regularly on there that say they're recluses, and I said, "What is?" It? I said, "I seem to attract recluses." I mean, I guess so many of these people that are they're off the grid and uh, you know they they don't have anything to do with uh, they read my Substack, but that's about it. And uh, it's I don't know if we've ever had that before in our history. Where had I, I wrote when I wrote the American loneliness phenomenon, which I, I I pinned at the top of my page. I think it's one of the best things I've ever written if I do say so myself. So I want people to read it, but um, America's become a really lonely place. And there's so many people that live by themselves 
it's it's amazing. And I it just didn't used to be that way. I, I don't know. What do you think of that, John? Well, when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s and my heyday was the 80s, you know, the 80s, oh, the almighty 80s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we always had our friends. And like the old picture, I seen a picture, you know, wherever you've seen your friends' bicycles in their front yard, that's where everybody was hanging out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's it's such a different world. I mean, the world has changed so much. Har Harlan said he just sent you an email, Billy Ray, so we can get Harlan off it. I'd like to see Harlan. I've not had Harlan on before, and he's been a great supporter. Harlan is competing with Guard Goldsmith, and we see which one can buy the most copies of Masking the Truth. They both bought tons of copies, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Doug. You said that was great. But I mean, just it's just you know, because I know I have people in my family that have lived alone. I've had I've had friends in my. Uh, in my personal life, that I had a, a really good friend that died in uh, 2016, and uh, still this empty spot. And but he he lived alone, and uh, it, I would have probably been the one that discovered his body if he hadn't. It happened that he he dropped dead when he was eating breakfast at a restaurant. But if he hadn't have done that, it would have been me. I was probably his best friend. I probably would have not heard from him for a while and had to go over there. So there's so many people like that that. And that's why you see people that, you know, get found that have been there well, for you know, days or even weeks. I, I've been blessed with a beautiful family. You know, my wife stayed with me through some really difficult times. Mm -hmm. That's why we moved to North Carolina, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, And she stayed with And we raised a family down here. But uh, I don't have that many friends like I used to have anymore. I just have a handful. And they're close friends now, you know. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, well, how, how about you, Don? No, I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I was very, my life has changed so much, but I was, I mean, I've always been a radical. So I, behind closed doors, but I also managed to juggle that and pack people that knew me. They, they, not many people were like, cause I'm very outgoing. I used to be, I used to be very sociable and have lots of friends. And, uh, I was very active uh, in my kids' schools. I was very active in, uh, sports. And uh, I coached all their teams for a decade. So when they got too old to do that anymore, I, I, you know, it left a real big hole in my life, you know, and luckily that's mm -hmm. when writing came along and filled it. But, you know, when, when I first started my first, the unreals was my first book and lots of the, the soccer moms and basketball dads came to, and teachers came to my book signings and uh, they were just astonished that, you know, that this because I was a laid back coach and you know I, I I I got along with everybody and they just were amazed that I had all this in my head, you know. And then later, you know, some of them stuck around for hidden history. All I was like, wow, we had no idea this guy had you know this kind of rack because I was able to juggle that, you know. I was I was able to I could go out now, but I I don't think I could do that now because that normal so called normal world uh, isn't normal anymore. So I, I you know if I was if I was coaching sports today. I don't know how I would respond if I had a transgender kid on the team. I, I don't know. I don't know how I would do it. And I, I don't know. And I, I, I know coaches have to deal with that. And it was hard when they first, um, they started letting girls play boys sports back then. And that was difficult because, and, or even just if you're coaching a girl's team, because uh, you had to be very careful about like, if a, the girl was injured, you you'd basically had to call for their mom. Because you couldn't touch them, you couldn't try to render any aid. 
Otherwise, he touched my leg. He touched my leg. Exactly. Yeah. So we were, we were, and they, you know, now with the transgender stuff, I don't know, but it's got to be, uh, and you know, with Trump injected and all that, I imagine those games are uh, <laughs> a lot more interesting. But they used to be a uh, kind of a refuge for the world. But so that that's my. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I you know I've been married for thirty like thirty almost thirty eight years and. Uh, I have two kids. Way to go, Don. Way to go. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's they said hey, it would, my family, my family buys my shirts too, Don. They, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't job for anything. I'm very dependent on, but, um, so I, uh, my son obviously is, uh, is my compatriot and, uh, he's, he's the only one in the family that really is agrees with me. My daughter's lovely and she's, you know, she does her own thing and she's, she, you know, she tolerates me probably thinks I'm a, a little off, but, um, and my wife, you know, tolerates me and the rest of the family thinks I'm nuts pretty much. But, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm fortunate because, again, I know so many of these people that I talk to that are by themselves. And uh, I don't know if I was one of the lonely people, what I would be doing because it's, it's, uh, it's. Can it's, I ask you a question? Sure. Do you mind being by yourself? Oh, I don't like it at all. No, I don't. I, you, don't I, you don't like I I have an no. acre of land out here, and after the David Knight show is over, I kind of shut things down sometimes, most of the time, and just go outside and play. I call it play, you know. Mm -hmm. I wind up I wind up with a couple of band aids after a while, but uh, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I, I I it's not. I mean, I can be. I'm fine because I work by myself most of the time. I spend most of the time by myself with. My, my lovely dog Riley's down here a lot, you know, just hanging out, but uh, she's just kind of laying there looking pretty. It's what she does best. But um, I'm writing by myself, researching by myself for the most part. But I like to, then I like to go upstairs and know my wife is there. You know, maybe the kid will be there. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think I would do well. I have a much older sister who. I, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it that way. Like I'm in a building outside in the back of my house right now. That's what this place is. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. That's you know, I, I, I like mean, that. It's, yeah, it's the only thing that keeps me and my wife together is me having this building <laughs> out here. Uh, well, sorry. yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea of, of being able to get away from it. And sure, and we do that today, you know, because my wife works at home, so we we're on different levels and we're separate. But it's nice to know she's there, and uh, it's but. It's. I don't think I'd do well if I, if I went upstairs and nobody was there, you know. If I went to eat dinner and nobody was there, I just. I. I'm just. I'm very dependent. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, you know, my mom took care of me. My wife takes care of me. So that's what it is. I. I need. I need a woman around to look after me. Buy my shirts, as you said. <laughs> George Ann says I'm a hippie. I thought I was a doll, but I. I'm, I'm not quite old enough to be a real hippie. By the time I came on, they started calling us freaks. So I was a freak back in the day. I went from jock to freak, and uh, that's nobody. That's that's what we called ourselves, and everybody called us freaks. Were so, you hanging out behind the handball courts? Yeah. <laughs> well, just you know, we were discovering the uh, the glories of smoking and things. I never did any hard drugs, but um, you know, it was uh, it was a form of rebellion. You know, kind of against the system, against the popular crowd. You know. I'm 59, Don. How if you don't mind? How old are you? I'm. I'll be 67 later this month. Ah, right, you got a few years on me. Yeah, yeah, a few years. So it's uh, it's, but um, okay, I'm looking at 
Bob is saying, okay. Please get somebody on here so I could they could help me out. Yeah, well, uh, Harlan said he sent you a message, Billy, so I don't know. Did you get it? Bring Harlan Stonewall on? I'm, anxious to, that, but, uh, I'm anxious to be – no, no, we can't. And I, I certainly can keep talking about it. And Chris Graves is welcome to come, too, if he wants. Chris is always welcome. Oh, White Wolf says he cannot get into the stream. It is either stream or my setup. But it looks like no White Wolf. So no White Wolf. But Harlan said he sent you something, Billy. So if you can get Harlan in there, that would be cool. And Chris, if you want to come on, if you don't have your show, Chris is always welcome. We can always uh, – Chris can always talk about uh, something interesting. You know, Chris is, uh, is the guy, as you know. But uh, so – you know, it's it's it's. I just seen a picture of Billy Billy there for a second, and uh, on Friday when I was going up in Brooklyn, Friday was always pizza night. For some reason, it was always. Pizza night. <laughs> yeah, I had to say that with Billy there. Yeah, well, I uh, and Billy Ray probably likes the New York style, and uh, I can eat that. We have a Greek restaurant near us that has a great pizza, and of course, I've been told by New Yorkers it's not really New York style. I think it's great, but I I am a deep dish guy. I love the Chicago style, so I'm sure uh, Billy and I would be in a disagreement about that. But I, I like the uh, the thick crust. It is it is not New York pizza. It is the only pizza. <laughs> there is no other. Everything that you have outside the border <laughs> of the five boroughs is questionable and uh, and should not be ingested without the proper uh, you know motivation. Meaning, if you're starving, then you eat it. Um, right. Yeah, pizza here is the only real pizza. And maybe, maybe deep dish in Chicago. I'm not sure if we're letting them in. Um, Stonewall. Um, well, who was it? Uh, who was it that that wanted a link? Uh, Harlan Stonewall. Harlan Stonewall. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get anything from him. Harlan, that's what he. That's what he messaged on. Harlan, if you want to get in, message BRV. He said he didn't get anything from you. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything. The Elliot Fringe at gmail.com. You hear that? Inference Benjamin Felix says you're the tops. Me. That's what he said. Damn. That's I thought dope. I was the tops. Apparently, you're the tops now. But, uh, but we could share the top spot. I'm. I'm, uh, I'm Felix is very loyal, man. I guess he's he's the, even and he's the only one my shadow band doesn't work on because I, I can't get through <laughs> to any of my five thousand friends except Felix. Felix, all somehow he it isn't affecting him. I don't know. So he's a, he's like Superman. He's a, he's oblivious to the shadow band. So what and, do you got going on there, Billy? You got a thing coming up here next month, right? Yeah, man, freeworld.fm, uh, freeworldnyc. Uh, Don is going to be speaking. Uh, it's going to be cool. Charlie and Tony are coming. Charlie Robinson, Richard Gage, Tony uh, Arterburn, who is on his way to Austin, Texas. What's up, buddy? I hope you're listening if you are. Said he would be. Not sure if he is. Uh, guard Goldsmith will be in attendance. Wayne McCroy, John Brissom. Uh, we're all going to be there, and it's going to be fun. I can't wait to do it. Can't wait to see Don. Give him cool. a big old hug. That's right. I'm, I'm yeah. a hugger, Don. I got to tell I'm you right a, I'm now. a hugger, too, man. I'm a, yeah, that's the, <laughs> Just don't kiss me. Uh, <laughs> uh, it goes so far, you know. <laughs> Bro hugs have always been fine, you know. I, right, right, it's, right. It's no, I remember them. It, it's going to be it's gonna be a cool a cool time, man. And, and um, more, more importantly, I was telling Don, when, when, uh, when, uh, and um, I hope, Don, you don't mind me sharing this, when, when, um, when I, I approached Don a long time ago about having a show and I told him, I'm like, you'd be great. Would you want a show? And he's like, yeah, I'll do a show. I'm like, so uh, 
I was over at TFR at the time and we got we got Don on. And my vision was Don, right? Don will have a show. And it, it is Don's show, but Don likes to bring in guests. Don is so much better than <laughs> 90% of the guests he has on. And I'm being nice by saying 90. You know what I mean? He's just super uh, interesting and engaging. Who do we have here? White Wolf came in there. Why, I, what we see... Well, there's, there's a. We see a white wolf. They got white, white wolf. wolf. They, 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 they took him out, man. That's where wolf. he was. You can see. It looks like a, a UFO or something, guys. Seriously, like he's been abducted live on yeah. air. We got the exclusive <laughs> right here on Don's show. Yeah. Damn. Because you know, white, white wolf has a really interesting thing. He's like, he's living. He lives in Amish country, and it looks like he's coming from the back of a store or something. But now I don't know where he is now. Are you outside, white wolf? What's going on? It reminds me of the old stores where you get the Coke bottles, you know, the real yeah. bottles, and you got to, like... Oh, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. There you there go. He there, he is. Is. there he is. That's okay. That's He's coming from parts okay. unknown again. He's got the usual... No, I, I keep that camera covered uh, so, so that uh, they don't know who's using the computer. And, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm about to say he turned uh, into the light body or something. Me guessing. Yeah. A little piece of black tape will do. Yeah, what yeah. They, call it? they call it the, the white wolf could be from part. Billy Ray knows that from wrestling, the parts unknown from parts unknown, white wolf. So we got white wolf. Minute, I'm gonna step away for two minutes, I'll be right back. Gotcha, okay, white wolf. So, what, what's going on? How's how are things in uh, in Amish country? Oh, well, probably the same where you're at. We're, we're both under the shadow of the Baltimore blimp, yeah. And, uh, no, did you want? Want me to tell some of my old cop stories? Sure. Like, you, you look like a big troublemaker, so I'm sure, like I was. But I, oh, they, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, my, my first one was what I call the uh, York Steakhouse bust. Uh, yeah. This was way back in the 80s yeah, on, a, on a cold January day. Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of us employees were getting together after, after work, just kind of chill out at a friend's house. Uh, have a few beers, and uh, and there were a few miners there, and, and we had bought like two cases of beer. That there were like forty people there, mm -hmm. okay, and that uh, and at around midnight we get raided by the cops. They they they're coming in through the front door. They're coming in through the back door. Uh, a lot of people escape through the back door. That um, they escaped into like bitter cold January weather with uh, with no outer garments on and so on and so forth. The cops were so mad that they escaped. They uh, they, they beat up my one friend, and th then they proceeded to search the house. I I, I was just absolutely overwhelmed. You, you would have thought that we were were uh, Jesse James and the gang planning a bank heist or something. Yeah, you know, I I, I that's I. I came by my feelings about it. And, and people know me. If you read my novel, The Unreals, uh, a lot of anti-cop rhetoric in it. <laughs> in fact, I infuriated a few because I, I, you know, one of my good friends was a police officer and he was, he was a good guy. Uh, but I said, you know, if more, more, more like you, it'd be fine. But I've, I've had, and again, I, I, I'm no troublemaker, man. I don't, I never look to cause trouble and they just find me. I told the story before when I was living in the, my wife and I were first married in a townhouse. We lived in a little townhouse uh, right next to the railroad tracks. And uh, I would—I was working night shift, and I would—I uh, would go out on my way to work, and I would typically take the trash over to the—you know—it was like 
200 yards away or something to drop up when I would stick the trash on top of the, uh, of the hood of my car. Everybody did it then just to save steps and save time. And then I'd drop it off on my way out. Well, I did that. And this cop car comes into the, and he, there was a teenager on one side of us that was always causing trouble. So he was there, to, I think for him, but he's put his lights on. And now, now I, he would have shot me if it was today, this was back in the nineties. But uh, he jumped out of his car and started screaming at me, what do you think you're doing? I think, what the hell? You know, what do you mean? He says, what is that? And pointing to the trash on top. I said, oh. and I was pointing to, and he, you know, today he would shot me. But they were oh, back there. Sure. Yeah. They're not quite as bad then. But I mean, he, I thought, he still thought he might arrest me or something. I said, okay, so you get that trash up. It just, so this, just think of that. I mean, that's the petty stuff they go after. And that's what they act tough on. He knew I was no threat. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm armed with a trash bag on the hood of my car. So uh, that really had an impression on me. But I, I already had feelings about cops. And, you know, I just. Again, oh, oh, wait, but there's more. OK. Yeah. Go for uh, it. My, my my best story is uh, is I was. Uh, our, our church was having a like an auction at, at this park pavilion in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, well, after a, a hard day working at the auction, I was on my way home in my pickup truck, and I'm followed by this uh, the, this car with the lights flashing, and I think it's a mall cop or something. So, so I, I pull out, and uh, and and I'm I'm going along, and and he's still on my tail, and 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 I didn't know whether he was after me or not because I I hadn't done anything, mm-hmm. and and so I pull into a a, uh, a a suburb and, and then I, I pull onto a side street and the, uh, th- this, this uh, cop or whatever. Okay. He turned out to be a park ranger, but, but he was basically a cop mm-hmm. and uh, he, he just stays there and, and, and he's, he, he's not approaching my vehicle. So I get out of my vehicle and I start walking towards him and uh and then a second vehicle screeches around the corner. Okay, the door pops open. This uh, th- this this other cop pops out, and he has a gun pointed right at me. <laughs> and and I'm standing there, and and, and like a, a ton of people are watching. And I said, uh, "Could you explain why exactly you're pointing a gun at me?" <laughs> and uh, and then a third cop tackles me from behind backup we need backup (laughs) yeah and 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 then i get handcuffed and i get put in the car wow put put in their car and uh and i said well what's going on and and the cop was like well you didn't really do anything wrong and i said that then why am i in handcuffs in in, in the squad car well you're not cooperating yeah you didn't pull (laughs) over when they put the blue lights on you (laughs) You know, that's like that. Well, well, I couldn't have pulled over. I, I mean, I, I was I was at a stop sign. OK, I, I just I just couldn't just stay there and obstruct traffic. OK, so I pulled out onto the main road and there was nowhere on the main road to pull over. There, there was no shoulder or anything. It was just a drop off into a ditch. So, so I, I, I just I, I was just cruising. I wasn't even doing a speed limit about 10 miles below the speed limit. And then I pulled into the suburb. And so they they wrote me up with uh, with fleeing and eluding, uh, r- running a stop sign, driving faster than reasonably prudent, uh, not having any insurance, 
and uh, I forget what else he wrote me up for, and, and then he impounded my truck. Mm. Well, I, I got all the charges dropped. Uh, and oh, really? uh, it, in, fact, in fact, what they did was the, the, the so-called di district attorney, oh, she was the ditziest female you ever wanted to see. And, <laughs> uh, and oh, I, I had to cop up on the witness stand and he told lie after lie after lie. I said, well, well, well how long did, did the pursuit last for? And he said, oh, it must have been quite a few miles. And I said, really? And, and I, I had a map of the whole scene and I had everything measured out before time. And I said that the total distance I traveled was four tenths of a mile. And, mm. uh, and, and the cop was looking at this and, and he could see that, uh, that disbelief, disbelief in his face, that, that they were going nowhere with this. And, and so he, he threw the whole thing out, but, uh, but, but the district attorney, uh, what she, what she did what, was she actually called my insurance agent after everything was thrown out and, and uh, was trying to, to see if I really did have insurance. And, uh, and she was so mad when she found out I did have insurance that. Uh, <laughs> how, how long did you miss your vehicle for? Uh just about two days. Actually, I had a backup vehicle. He, they impounded my, my black pickup truck, but, uh, um, I, I probably should have sued for, for all the damages and, and everything else, but I'm not a real fighter when it comes to all of that. Uh, I, I just want to live and let live. I feel the same way. You know, it's like, you know, don't bother me. I won't bother you kind of thing. Yeah, and they know most people are that way. That's why they uh, they get away with so much stuff. But it, so we can all tell our uh, cop stories. But I mean, it's just it, bottom line is that, uh, and maybe one day I'll write a book just about police. But uh, it'll be you know <laughs> I have to hold my breath whenever I go out on the town. Then. But I mean, it's because they you know again people. I keep talking about the policing for profit system, and I will have a bunch of stuff on that in the next book. Well, about there's it. there's no doubt that that goes on. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You, you know, it all started with the uh, with, with the seatbelt laws and and the uh, and the speed traps. It's like all of a sudden we're we're all criminals now. Yeah, and uh, unconstitutional and, roadblocks. Yeah, sure. For, yeah, for DWI. And, yeah. And, uh, and no, I, I I saw the the decay of the uh, of the police because I used to have an uncle that was a policeman, and I used to have a. Uh, a, uh, a friend in the choir that, that there was a cop too. And, th and they were both good cops. And they used to tell me what, what went on and, and how the, the new recruits coming in were, were not like really up to par. And, uh, but, but I remember back in the day, way back in the day, when, when the cop walked the beat, he knew everybody in the neighborhood. Uh, he yes. was, he, he was looking out for people the the old school cops, they didn't want to throw you in jail. That was like, a or even write you up a citation. That was like a last resort. That that that, that you know, was. I remember were. back in the day that I'm so old that if you got pulled over for a DUI and if you were really drunk, and the cop knew you and you were in the neighborhood, they would actually park your car and yes. drive your butt home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would, and that was you know the the only real encounter I had with the law where I did something technically wrong was I was a pathfinder in a DWI 
where I was uh, arrested uh, I think back in 78, maybe 78, 79. But, uh, and it was, I was doing what I did all the time. I mean, I was partying and I was out, you know, I was uh, barely legally drunk and uh, I was driving home and I was doing a fine job, but uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, they, they profiled me. I had long hair and a beard and it was three in the morning or something on the weekend. So, you know, odds are, if you stop a guy like that, he's probably got done something illegal. So uh, they, and they stopped me within my apartment complex. And I, I kept saying my apartment's there. Didn't care. Had the handcuffs on me before I knew what I was doing. Didn't read my rights, nothing. And, uh, you know, ruined my life for a couple of years because I couldn't afford insurance. I had to go with the uninsured motorist fee. Uh, it, I was so, I mean, I would, I still. Oh, well, I was a, I was a rebel. Know. I drove around without any insurance or registration or nothing for 10 oh. years. Wow. You are. <laughs> yeah. You I, I, I used to have, I used to have stealth plates on my car. I used to have Missouri plates for when I was east of the Mississippi and Pennsylvania plates for when I was west of the Mississippi. Yeah. Nowadays, when you drive a uh, rental car, you know, they got plates from all over the country. So, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Yeah. Right. But when I uh, lived up in New York, I think when I lived up in New York, I think every license plate with a Z that started with a Z was <laughs> a rental car. <laughs> That's the way it was back in the 80s. My uncle, he was a cop also. But I don't know how it goes now. No, they, everybody hates Raymond. Say, I mean, they they did used to be different, but basically, uh, once in the 1980s, when they established the precedent of asset forfeiture laws, and that's why, you know, in your case, uh, White Wolf, you're lucky they didn't confiscate your car because that's what they've done that to so many people. They've yes. stolen their property, and what's even worse, they uh, so many parents. And I'll have a lot of those examples in the next book, just, just a drop in the bucket. But so many people have lost uh, you know, their homes because their, their teenage son is, uh, was, was uh, found to be selling a bag of marijuana inside the house. So it's a crime scene. They have to confiscate the crime scene. That's why they confiscate so many cars and they just don't give them back. And then they go to police auctions. It's, it's legalized theft, much like yes, our banking system. Abs absolutely. But uh... – but the politicians and everybody else just just let it go on, and you know that that's why I realized uh, towards the end of the of the '80s that it was all a clown show, and mm -hmm. and I, I just became like I said what Gerald Salenti called a political atheist. I yeah. uh, I I just don't have any skin in the game. In fact, I I don't even know what goes on in in uh, in politics uh when i turn into i protest i i, I get caught up on all the yeah. all, all the antics uh for, for well, the past week i just know you know some things the things that interest me i, I don't I, I used to be a political junkie i don't pay attention to that much anymore everybody hates Raymond points out to protect and serve and i this this bears repeating when people keep talking about protect and serve that used to be the credo of the cops when they were yeah. peace officers instead of law enforcement officers they walked the beat and the neighborhood knew them it was a whole different story. But uh, now the Supreme Court, starting in the 80s, you know, so much bad stuff happened in the 80s under Reagan. Uh, and that's when they first ruled, the Supreme Court first ruled that the police are under no obligation to protect the public. And they've, right. ruled, they've ruled two or three other times since then and supported that. So you, the, the, my conspiracy friends have a saying, never call the police, never, ever call the police. You have to go with that because they're, they're, they're legally have been told they don't have to protect you. So what? why would you call them? 
the mm-hmm. odds are so much more likely they're going to shoot you or shoot your kid or shoot your dog. Well, that, that, that's what I've heard. I, I mean, I used to watch a lot of uh, a lot of anti-police videos on YouTube. And that, now, yes, there are people that, that bait the cops. And I don't like that because you're you, you're just feeding their uh, you're just giving them fuel when you do that. But but when you go up and, and you're a bystander and you're filming a traffic stop and, and then the cops start acting hostile to you. Yes. So the, the, the cops are just, uh, the, the, they're basically uh, writing their own epitaph at that point because people are looking at this and they're saying, well, gee, that's unprofessional. And, uh, and the, the cops are getting like 10,000 views on YouTube of their unprofessional behavior. Yeah. And, uh, I think it caught up with them. I think the superior started to say, look, when, when you're on camera, you'd better behave and, and, and you better act good because uh, you, you, you're not putting on a good show for all the sheeple out there. Yeah. Well, that's and that's and that's the thing is that they're just and it's, again, too many right wingers, the Republicans, the conservatives, they still I mean, if they didn't see during the 2020 riots, the BLM riots, if they didn't understand at that point that the cops are not on their side. I mean, I don't know how blatant it has to get. Uh, 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 Billy Ray Harlan said he's Harlan Stonewall said he resent you that link, so I don't know why he's not getting it. But um, it, it's so. But conservatives still think of that, and I still see with Tucker Carlson and people like that when they were in the air. Alex Jones, they would still defend police at this point. I, and yeah, of course, there's some good cops. The police hierarchy, until we recognize that's why defund the police is it, they they should they not defund them, they should reform the police. They need to stop. They need the. Uh, they well, should well, what actually needs to happen, as as far as I'm concerned, is they they just simply need to. Uh, well, they need to do several things. The, the first thing they need to do is make the police local again. You, yeah. you, you know, w- one of the objectives of, of 9/11 was they installed all of these quote unquote fusion centers. Right. And uh, and you, you've got the dispatch coming from you know places like up to 70 miles away. And uh, and I, I remember one time where the uh, the, the guy on the 911 line that the, the, there was a gentleman that just had an accident and, and he didn't know where he was or anything and he handed me the phone and said, "Could you talk to the 911 people?" And and so I was talking to this 911 person and, and I was telling them where he was. It was a main road, and yeah. it, it was it was a state route. And, uh, and I was telling, and, and he had no idea where this location was. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. I, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the person could have been in India. So the first thing they have to do is make the, yeah. the, the, the cop yes. shops local again. Yes. yes. And they have to have local dispatch and, uh, and, and local responsibility. Uh, the, the, the next thing that's happening is, is you see all these regional police, uh, centers popping up. And, uh, and and that's even worse because uh, the the cops are getting more bureaucratized, and uh, yeah. well, and obviously militarized too. I mean, there's a there's, well, they've been militarized for years, but but now they're it, it's getting to the point where it, it's like you're the enemy as far as they're concerned. Yes, that's what they treat you, and that's they they are like an occupying army in many ways. They're representing, and they're they're basically defending the uh, the authorities. Well, and- they're for- sorry, I froze. 
they're afraid for their lives also, you know, they just want to go home. Well, well yeah, yeah I, I get that. And I understand that. It's like, uh, it's like you have a few bad cops intimidate people and then there's blowback. I, I, I know places in West Virginia where, where cops have been ambushed and shot. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, yeah. and so it, it's just an escalating circle of violence that the, the cops retaliate and, and then and then you have individuals in our society, a certain percentage who are going to retaliate. And it's it's just a vicious circle. It is. And, they, and that's what pe people don't understand. And the cop, the cop side, they don't understand when you, if you've been through some of those. And I, I, I can I mean, again, I, I'm not a troublemaker, but I had a cousin and he was a bit of a troublemaker, but he was shot and killed by a cop back in the 80s. This was a while back. And uh, because he had uh, locked his keys in his car outside a bar, and I'm sure he was drunk, and he was probably belligerent with the cop. But he broke he the window when he got in his own car. Well, no, well, he, 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 I guess he didn't want to do that, and he couldn't. He, the cop was because he couldn't get the door open with the coat hanger and everything. He shot him and killed him in front of a bunch of witnesses. I don't know if anything ever happened to that cop, but I, I, I can, I have so many stories like that of people I know that, 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 that had bad experiences with police. And yeah, well, uh, well, that seems a little bit over the top for the 80s. Yeah, it was. And that's, uh, it's, uh, you know, again, going even, even back to that, like I said, the guy that are the, the, the cops, I mean, he was very polite when he arrested me for DWI in 78 or what, 79. What state was that in where your brother got shot? Uh, he was my cousin. He was, uh, I think it was DC, Washington, DC. Cause I, oh, okay. well, well, DC has always been ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. No, it has. As far as that goes. But the problem is that even then, certainly now, the problem is that it, when people say it's a few bad apples, well, it, it is, but the problem is the hierarchy is the bad, the worst apple of all. The hierarchy wants this. Yes, I, I, I mean, yes. th th this was all planned from back in the sixties, I would say. Right. Th th they play the long game. And uh, yeah, I, I could, I, I could see clearly, but by the mid eighties, how they were turning our, our, our society into a communist state. And yeah. uh yeah, That's well, what Our Lady of Fatima said, the, the, the quote-unquote errors of Russia and, uh, and this whole idea of Caesaropapism, authority from the top down, is one of them. And, and that's what you've seen since the, since the 1980s. You, you've seen the destruction of parental authority and you've seen the destruction yeah. of church authority. The, there's only one authority now, civil authority, and the, and the pandemic proved that. The, the civil authority said, oh, you're, you're just going to shut down your churches. I, I, I remember back in the day when, when a thief uh, running from a cop could get sanctuary in a church. Yes. The, uh, the, the thief could run in the church and, and, and the cop could not arrest the thief in the church because the church was not considered to be U.S. territory. It was the same as having an embassy. You, you were on somebody else's sovereign turf. Now they lock the doors of churches, and I and, and, and that's a horrible they thing. They, they lock the doors on churches now. Yeah, which oh, is yeah. when that's I was it. growing up, the churches were always open. Yes, it was some place where somebody could go in and get safe harbor, uh, go in and say a prayer or whatever, light a candle, and uh, I think that's very sad. And again, again, these things happen, and nobody, nobody protests any of. That's the name of this show. I, I protest because I'm always protesting right. something. But it's uh, you. You mentioned. It, that's that's your signature line, White Wolf. Uh, if you've you read, he, he always ends his comments with, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. You are our only hope. So I'm fascinated by uh, Fatima. 
the miracle of Fatima. I think it's one of the greatest examples of something supernatural because you had thousands of people that witnessed something going 70, on. 70,000. Well, actually yeah. closer to 100,000 when, when you include yeah. all the people that saw the miracle in the surrounding countryside. But yeah, uh, this, is, this is back then. I mean, they yeah, all came that from was, the uh, that was the greatest miracle since Moses parted the waters of the Red Sea in, in terms of, of public miracles uh, and, and the number of witnesses yeah. to, to the miracles. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and another thing that, uh, that many people don't know is, well, first of all, two things. One is that before the, the miracle of the sun, it had been raining for, for all night long. It had been pouring. And everybody and everything was soaking wet. And after those seven minutes of the miracle of the sun, everything was bone dry, absolutely bone dry. So, so there are some people say, oh, it was some sort of mass hallucination. Yeah, yeah well, well, what kind of mass hallucination can make everything bone dry after being soaked by an all night rain? Yeah, and, and, uh, and well, and this, the story brief. The story briefly is that the Virgin Mary appeared to three children in Portugal uh, on uh, three different occasions, I think. And the last occasion was the one seven different occasions. Well, seven different occasions. And the last one was the the miracle where this incredible the sun darted around the sky and did all kinds of uh, seemingly impossible stuff. But and the, she left three secrets to the children. And uh, what about that third secret? The first two, I think, have come true. Is it World War Two, maybe? And I'm not sure what the the first, but the third one. All kinds well, of rumors. Well, actually, the second secret has not come to pass. Uh, the culmination of the second secret was Our Lady said that various nations will be annihilated. A and I think the USA would be at the top of that list. And, uh, and that has not happened yet. So we're, we're, we're still basically under the, uh, the second secret of Fatima. And as far as the third secret is concerned, the third secret concerns the Catholic Church. And I believe the third secret is essentially what Daniel said uh, 2,700 years ago when he talked about the abomination of desolation. Now, I'm sure that you're aware that in 1970, the Vatican gave us a new mass, a quote-unquote new mass. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I... I've researched this quote unquote new mass extensively and the so-called uh, Annabelle Bugnini and the Protestant ministers and all of that, that that's just a cover story. Okay. J just like they give you the cover story for nine 11 about the Muslim terrorists and so on and so forth. And uh, well, at, at any rate, uh, the quote unquote new mass was, was planned from at least the 1850s. And I wanted to talk about another aspect of, uh, of, of Fatima. Which well, well, real quick, because I want to, Harlan Stonewall's here. I want to bring him in. But go ahead and finish up the Fatima, and then we'll bring him in. Okay. Uh, th there was another uh, sign that, that occurred on January 25th, 1938. And, and the whole sky was lit up by fire, and, and it, it was seen by a, a – a billion people around the world. It, it was seen mostly in the Northern Hemisphere, mostly in North America and 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 uh, Europe, uh, as, as far as Moscow. And and uh, it wasn't like a fire in the sky. It was more like a red dawn 
and uh, but but everybody talked about it. Roosters crowed. Uh, it was so bright you could read by it, and uh, and it was just. And, and what I think that that was 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 that was the night that that that, that our ascended masters or whatever you want to call them finalized plans for for the Second World War, which was choreographed from beginning to end. Absolutely. I, I, I'm absolutely convinced of that. Well, it's a it's a fascinating subject. I, I think you know people that uh, Fatima always interests me. We, I'd like to talk more, but Harlan. Harlan is here. Harlan Stonewell, good to see you. Looks like you're you look like you're on one of those ghost hunter shows, like you're outside or something. Well, I've been trying to get my internet going. Can you hear me good? I don't know if this camera will run or not. Uh, we're here. Like it's it's a little static. There's a little static. Well, let me turn some of this off. Okay. See what it does. Okay, how about now? Uh, louder, but there's still a little static. Oh, go ahead. So, what's I, first of all, thank you so much for the support, and thanks for buying all the books. And uh, you and uh, you, you and Guard Goldsmith, especially, are competing. I really, I can't thank you enough for that. It's hard to compete with Guard. <laughs> yeah, but Alan Holmes. Yeah, but uh, so what? So what's on your mind, Alan? Uh, uh, Harlan, what's 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 what did you want to talk about? I'm just going to listen to these other guys. What you guys got going on? We can talk about anything. Yeah, well, we have uh, we were talking about cops. or bad, basically bad-mouthing the cops, one of my favorite uh, routines for that goes back years. And then uh, we went on to the, our, our Lady of Fatima. So, uh, and uh, as a Catholic, that's always fascinated me as well. So, uh, I don't know, White Wolf, what, what's, what's, what else is, uh, what, what else do you think is going on that's important right now? Oh, I, I don't know. The uh, political clown show. Yeah. Um, we, we've got uh, we've got Donald Trump in one corner and I don't know who the, the, the Democrats are ultimately going to put in their corner. Uh, I, I don't know what, whether they're going to get your hero, uh, Robert Kennedy, into the rink. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you if you saw, you know, he I, I want to love the guy and I'm predisposed to love him. But man. He that could is do really those ring things, you know. He could, he could. I seen him today. He could jump on rings. He's six yeah. Years old. <laughs> that Israel thing, man. If you watch, I was watching a show that uh, I think he was in last week. He was in New York, I think, and he was. He has this guy uh, who's a former reality show guy or whatever. He's, he's supposedly a fake rabbi, Rabbi Shmuley or something. He's like a clown, and he was acting like he was RFK Jr.'s handler. He was walking around. Every question they asked him, Shmuley, Rabbi Shmuley, would jump up and and answer. And, and Bobby was just sitting there like he did. I, I, it was very disturbing. And because this woman, a Jewish woman in the audience, asked him a very uh, legitimate question about a, a Palestinian journalist, I forget her name, who was an American citizen that was murdered, admittedly murdered by an Israeli soldier. They know the soldier who shot her last year and uh there's a, a bunch of them there's the jews for peace or israelis for peace or something this group they want to uh extra you know extradite this israeli soldier over the united states to be tried for killing an american citizen and uh bobby he he he, he just kept saying i don't know for after rabbi shmuley you know gave the israeli side uh bobby just kept saying i don't really know you know i don't i i don't know enough about it but he would i mean it's just it's really, I've never seen anybody as pro-Israeli as this guy. If you saw the interview he did with Jimmy Dore, 
shocking. I mean, he was basically saying that Israeli soldiers don't kill, have not killed uh, citizens. They don't bulldoze houses. I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to say. And I, I don't know where it comes from because uh, the Kennedy family has a long history of being, um, you know, being uh, enemies of Israel in many ways, old Joe Kennedy, especially, and John F. Kennedy, the president who was uh, engaged in a big war with David Ben-Gurion at the time of the assassination over their nuclear program. So I don't know what you guys think of that. Well, well I, I know you like, uh, I know you like Joe Kennedy. Yes, I do. Yeah. But, but uh, now Joe Kennedy was associated with uh, a man by the name of Cardinal Spellman. Now, yeah, did, right do, do you know anything about his background? Well, a little bit, but that was later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Cardinal Francis Spellman was actually a a flaming pervert. <laughs> In fact, he was the one who groomed uh, uh, Theodore McCarrick. Okay, who who, who was de defamed in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, and I I could talk a lot about that and and the damage control that they had to do for for Theodore McCarrick because. It was just about all to come out, but uh, the, the the Vatican has been a, a nest of pederasts and perverts and and very sinister men for a long time. Yeah, uh, probably going as far back as Pius the Ninth, and uh, and maybe even Pius the Seventh. Hey, White, who, who is friends with Israel right now? What country is friends besides us? If we are, yeah, well, we are. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's it's just it. And it comes down basically again. You you can't say Israel, Israel. You know, people that Israel don't have a right to exist. Everybody has a right to exist. But the problem is the and and really the Arabs have they've learned. I guess so many of them have been killed. They backed off on their radical stance, which from the beginning was very understandable. I mean, let's say if um, let's say a group of uh, Romanians came over here and they were armed to the teeth by Russia and they decided, you know what? Uh, Rhode Island belongs to us. You know, our God says that they promised it to us. That's basically what they did. They went and took over land that didn't belong to there and they were back to the teeth by the most powerful military in the world, the U.S. and the Britain at the time. And I, I, I got in arguments online where they, I, just, I was just showing, sharing a map that, that, that had Palestine on it back in the 30s, 20s or 30s. Well, do, do you know anything about the transfer agreement? between Nazi Germany and uh, and the Jews in the 1930s? Well, I've, I've heard that, you know, that they, they, well, they, well, the yeah. Nazis a wanted to have those, a Zionist movement. Yeah. A, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those Jews uh, emigrated to Israel uh, under the, uh, under the auspices of the Nazis, actually. Ironically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there was even a commemorative coin struck. I mean, they've tried to, erase all of that from history that, that, that they wanted to paint the, the Nazis as absolutely a bunch of Jew hating scoundrels. But, uh, but the, the facts of the 1930s bear a, a little bit different story, but, yeah. but at any rate, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, you had, uh, uh, I think it was Ben Gurion, uh, yeah, ben who, who was one of the, the very early, first person, uh, yeah. Israelis, and uh, he was involved in, in, I think, the the infamous uh, King David Hotel massacre. Yeah, a lot of them were. Yeah, and, and, and Rabin, uh, Manahem Begin, I think. Yeah, a lot of them were. Yeah, and, and and that was that was really what got the the Arabs uh, sure uh, angry. 
at, at, at these people. And they regarded these people as criminals. Sure. And, and they could not believe that that the U.S. and, and the British w w would be supporting these people. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, what they were doing was they were terrorizing the, the, the local inhabitants. Uh, this, this was occurring. A lot of this actually occurred during World War II. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write and I'm gonna I'm gonna include it uh, in uh, in uh, my next book. I'm gonna include it as an appendix. I think it's so powerful. There was a letter from John F. Kennedy, 22 years old, to his father again, and his father was you know was was behind the scenes was lambasted as an anti-Semite. He he was obsessed with the Jews. He talked about them all the time. His kids heard that, and uh, if you read this letter from a young JFK, first of all, it is so brilliant. It is so intellectually above anything that, that any political leader could do now, let alone 22 years old. He analyzes the Middle East and Israel had just been created. And he talks, he's so even handed, but he talks about how, you know, the Arabs are understandably upset. I mean, they came and took their land. You can't, And that's the gist of it. And nobody can say that after the Six Day War or whatever, it was 1967, you stop being able to talk about that. It, it goes back to when I talked in crimes and cover-ups. I, I listed a lot of the things that happened at the birth of Israel. And, uh, you know, James Forrestal, by the way, was one of the first critics of Israel. Yes. Truman's secretary of uh, defense, who was pushed yeah. out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital, was friends with old Joe Kennedy, friends with Joe McCarthy. So these people, they understood it was a different world then. Not everybody was on board with what was happening. They displaced people. And it's bad enough that they did that, but... Now you have, and I, I learned from the Christian Zionists, especially that just they don't they they're denying the Palestinians. It's ironic because the argument against that the Israelis say you can't say we have we don't you're denying that we have a right to exist. Well, they're denying that the Palestinians ever existed. Oh, oh yeah, well, well, there was the, no sign. I was like, well, really? The, the Christian Zionists, uh, I believe, are are basically a Tavistock operation. I, I mean, if if you look at their roots and and you look at uh, wh where they came from, uh, they they were all kind of supplanted into their churches back in the the late fifties, the early sixties, and, uh, and and yeah, the, the, they just flooded America with this idea that oh these these Jews have a divine mandate to return to Palestine and we have to support this because this is the will of God and so on and so forth. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. it's like, uh, have you ever read the, the, the gospel of St. John? Have you ever read St. John's letters and St. Paul's letters? I, I mean, where is any of that there? Wait, let me ask you a question. I'm a Catholic like Don. Are you a Catholic? It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Difference. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in yeah. Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn. I, I I worked in Manhattan, and the Jews on Forty Second Forty Seventh Street, they pretty much own the Diamond District over there. So in my head, growing up as a kid, I always thought that the Jews—I'm not saying Jews in the bad way—the Jewish, they were always rich, you know. So that's what I thought. Oh well, yeah. There, there were there were all the, those jokes about the Jews being rich and greedy. I sure, I, I, yeah. I remember uh, I, I remember jokes like uh, how was copper wire invented? Well, two Jews found a penny, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. But uh, you, you always had the, the, those sort of jokes about the the, the, the grubby Jews and uh, and uh, sure. But, yeah, uh, 
But I want to. I want to get Har Harlan hasn't had a chance to chime in. Harlan, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I'm sorry you're sitting there and you're listening patiently. I'm a rusty. I'm a G bash, and I might be able to cop by. Harlan needs some pennies. What? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you yeah. say, little John? You need some copper pennies, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's it's this kind of thing that, uh, and I I discuss. Uh, Jews way too often. I don't necessarily like to do it, but uh, the reason why people still, it's this kind of thing. I mean, especially since the birth of Israel. I mean, keep in mind that in the left, it's so funny. And that's why Bobby Kennedy, what he's doing makes no sense because uh, before, yes, you understood why everybody was uh, in Israel's hip pocket. They have such power in the media and everything, but the the, the, the politics has changed in, in, in terms of uh, Israel. Uh, before, up until maybe 20 years ago, the only criticism of Israel was on the right, Pat Buchanan, people like that. Nobody on the left criticized Israel, except, well, you had a few people like um, the actress, uh, what's her name, uh, the English actress that, uh, that uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, you had some people like that. But for the most part, the left, I mean, go back to Exodus. They made the movie Exodus, what's in 1960, glowing portrait of the, it painted them as like heroic figures that were going to their homeland. You know, no mention of what happened to the people that lived on that homeland then and how they displaced them. So it's how they were born, how they were created, because they it's not like when, they, when people compare it to America. It's, you know, we came here and uh, we conquered the frontier and, and went to a lot of open land, but we didn't have the two greatest military powers in the world backing us armed to the teeth as, as Israel. There's, Israel would have gotten, they would have gotten slaughtered by the Arabs if they didn't have their big brothers, uh, you know, army in the teeth. And uh, so it, it was an unfair fight. And to continue to uh, demean the Palestinian people by pretending that there was no Palestine. I, I get that argument all the time. I say, what do you, that maps a fake. Well, really? well, even, even in, uh, even as far as the Arabs are concerned, I think some of that leadership is controlled opposition as well. And, uh, I mean, the, the oh, yeah, deeper sure. I think, the harder it is to find to to figure out what's really going on with with, with some of these people. I, I do know that at the end of the day, that the, the, they just want the little guy. They want his head spinning, and uh, and that that they want him to crawl up with his blankie and say, "Oh, there's no hope. There's no hope. Let's just go along to get along." Right. And, well, uh, every everybody hates Raymond. It's it's Christopher Ray. He's talking about the FBI director. Is real hard on for the cats. Now you've heard, I wrote a story for American Free Press a while back and uh, they're continuing. They are trying to infiltrate. They're putting infiltrators. They're treating the Catholic Church like the KKK and the Black Panthers. Uh, they're trying well, to infiltrate yes, especially, them. Especially the traditional Catholic Church. Yes, they're they're looking for, for, for people that are too traditional, so-called. But, 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 uh, but, but I also think that, that, uh, that, that the whole James Ray thing is ultimately a dog and pony show. Uh, the, uh, the, the traditional Catholic chapels are infiltrated and the infiltrators are actually the priests and, and, and the clergy. Yeah. Many, many of them, I, I, I think, are, are in contact with these government agencies. And, uh, and I, I think that when the hammer drops, uh, what they're going to do is, is, is they're going to round up all the people that, that are going to these uh, traditional masses. They, they all... They all and it's it's going to well, happen in, in the, Latin masses, the, the traditional Latin masses. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, the, the, there's still uh, Catholics that, that attend the traditional mass that, that rejected the new mass. Well, you've, you've got in, in Washington, D.C., you had uh, Pat Buchanan, I think, still does. But there's a, there's a, I never went to the church, but him and his wife uh, for years have been attending a, uh, a church that the mass is said in Latin. They don't recognize that. Well, the ring rose, I, I, I think you're referring to. Yeah, and, and you have in, uh, in California, Mel Gibson basically created his own parish out there. And his father, I've talked about this before, Hut, Hutton Gibson was a well, really well, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of Archbishop Lefebvre. I have, yes. Okay, well, he founded an organization, the SSPX, and they they have about 75 uh, chapels around the country. Yeah. And uh, they're probably the largest. And then you have the, the so-called Fraternity of St. Peter. Mm -hmm. They're probably the second largest. And, uh, and, and then you have a lot of, uh, of what used to be called indult masses for, from Pope John Paul II's uh, 1984 indult. And they're probably the third largest. So, and, and then you have the so-called Sedevic Contests and, and the, the Society of St. Pius V. Uh, so all told, you probably have about six or 700 chapels around the country. And right. uh, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not really big. It's bigger than, than, than the Orthodox groups in this country, but it's, it's not really all that big as far as the general well, if you, if you, if if you want to know something about uh, Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson is the real deal, at least on some level. He, again, I, like I talk about old Joe Kennedy, if you look yeah. where these people come from and what they were exposed to, their father was very influential. Hutton Gibson, I, I was on his mailing list for years. He even answered my email. But he uh, he, and he just died a few years ago. I think it was 100. This guy was absolutely great. He, he won a bunch of money on Jeopardy back in the 1960s. And that's how they uh, he he took his family to Australia to uh, raise him. He had a bunch of kids, but he, this man, I couldn't even understand his emails. I kept them all. They were a, such a Catholic scholar. He was so brilliant, and he, of course, he didn't recognize anything that had happened since Vatican II. He thought it was all. No, uh, Hutton Gibson, if I recall, was a quote unquote sedevicontist, and uh, I, I've decided that. I'm no longer going to give my opinion about wh whether these people are popes or not popes or because it, it doesn't really do anything. And so I'm not going to talk about how many, how many popes can dance on the chair of Peter. Uh, mm -hmm. The, uh, the only thing I have to say is all you have to do is, is look at that horror, that absolute horror that, that was quote unquote world youth day in Portugal uh, over the last week or so. And, if my Italian grandmother w w would have seen that that uh, that scantily clad girl, okay, cavorting among those bishops who were pretending like, oh, what's that? I don't even think that's there. But but my Wait Italian a minute, there was a group of there was a group of bishops and there was a scantily clad girl. I'm I'm kind of shocked to hear that. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. She, but my Italian grandmother would have locked every door and she would have lit every holy candle in the house and she would have yeah, said the world's going to end in three hours. And the, but, the wooden spoon would have came out, you know, the wooden spoon. But it's yeah. it, it's absolutely incredible, and, and now they have this. And that, that all, I think, is part of the third secret of Fatima, that Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. I, I, I think we're there. I, I'm just waiting for the Antichrist to, to make his appearance. Yeah. I'm just waiting for We can all just sit back and starve. That's a quick work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Well, there could, you know, it, well, you may have the universal basic income and, uh, you know, because they're, they're basically going to make it. They're already making it. I mean, economically, just, just looking at the percentage of people that live paycheck to paycheck. And I, you know, I was, I, I heard from somebody, uh, and I'm not going to mention the name, but used to be a listener of the show and it's anyhow, just fallen on hard times and, uh, was telling me about, uh, you know, illness and not having insurance and having to not being able to come up with the money to be treated. I mean, this, this country is just, it's sick. And people, my book, Survival of the Riches, was about that other half. Oh, well, I haven't had sick. health insurance since 1985. Well, you see, Don, yeah. I, I, I thought you were going to talk to the attorney today. And the top thing on his list was immigration. You know, he takes care of immigration. And yeah. I wanted to ask him, you know, what was his thing on immigration and, and you know, yeah, and, and don't even get me started on the insurance racket because next to the cops, that's that's what I like to hate on. <laughs> well, you're 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 a bold man if you haven't had insurance since 1985. But uh, this you're like Jeff Rents, you know Jeff Rents uh, that I'm on the show every Monday night. He he doesn't either, and uh, he he was in a serious car accident several years ago, and he just walked out of the hospital, pulled the pulled the IVs out and everything, and just never looked back. So, uh, you know, it's, I guess it can be done, but, um, the system is rotten to the core. I was, but the, the, the problem is that, 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 that's the, the, the silent, uh, not the silent majority, but this, the, the, the bottom half of America, the 50%, they have nothing and people don't realize how desperate, because, you know, the, the top half, especially the, the top 20% that run the thing, they have everything. I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, they have so much money, they don't want to do with it. Well, okay. Well, here, can, can you see this? Uh, can you see this finger right here? Sure. The, the one that's bent. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I'll tell you a story behind that. I was. This was way back in 1983. I was. I was throwing a football with my brother, and uh, we were throwing long passes to each other, and uh, and the football came, and, and I tried to catch it, and my finger got dislocated. Sure. And actually. The, the one bone in my finger was stacked right on top of uh, of the bone closest to the uh, to, to, to the joint there. And uh, so, so I go I go to the doctor and he says, oh, well, I don't know. And I say, well, well just pull it back into place. He yeah, said, well, that's, that's that. what we always did. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he sent me to the hospital for x-rays. OK, and, and I'm in a considerable amount of pain. I, I go to the emergency room. I get some x-rays. And then they say, oh, well, the specialist isn't in. And, and, and I said, well, well he'll, what should I do? Oh, just go home and take an aspirin. And uh, <laughs> so, so and this was back in the early 80s. And this was at a Catholic hospital. And, and then they charged me six hundred dollars for that. Yeah, that's it's and that uh, Sam Bodie's tree is on there, and that's the stat. I said 50 of Americans today is less than 30,000 a year in 2023. I quoted that stat in Survival of, of the Richest. Half the country made less than 27,000. Uh, and that's you can't, and with every wave of immigrants, they're coming in at the absolute bottom, and they have less money than anybody, so they're they're expanding that 50 percent base. So we now have a majority of people. That have nothing. The bottom fifty percent has less than one percent of the collective wealth. I mean, you don't have to be a socialist. You don't have to be have Huey Long as your hero. You can't have any kind of viable economy like that unless you just pretend they don't exist. 
And it's, 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 it really speaks well for propaganda and uh, conspiracies because how that bottom half hasn't, hasn't rose up, how they haven't got together. I mean, look what the French did during the French Revolution. I mean, I, well, well, the bottom half are too, are too fragmented. Yeah. Uh, and, and the French Revolution, that, that, that was a Masonic top-down color revolution. The, right. the, the only legitimate part of the French Revolution was the Vendée. And, well, sure. and, and Robespierre and all those guys, yeah. The monarchy is as bad as what that was, and uh, and 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 then they wanted to march back home and just be left alone to to raise their gardens and uh, and and keep their chickens. Yeah. And uh, I can't well, believe you guys are saying this. Stuff. What's that? <laughs> what are we saying? <laughs> I, mean, I can't believe you guys are talking like this after you know Orange Jesus give us the best economy that America's ever seen in history, <laughs> the world. <laughs> It was so great they had to print ten or twelve trillion dollars to try to pop it back up in twenty twenty. I just yeah. wish they would put the oil back on in our country. Yeah, you know, oil. Yeah, well, uh, they, they can turn the oil on and off at the at the flick of a switch. Uh, the, the, this whole thing about peak oil that, that, that was. Have just you ever seen it run out? Said to us. No, but they'll keep. Have you it, ever seen like, it run out? It's going to bone dry, they'll say, you know. We're getting close. Now, let's That's say anything. How much is your well, eating oil? As long as the price is high. Oh, man. They're not running well, out. Well, They're uh, charging them. Well, I primarily burn with wood, so uh, uh, I'm kind of out of that loop. Well, what if you, you can't, I mean, what, what is it you claim you, you live on $40 a month or something? What did, what did you say? You, I don't know where you're at, but what, what did you claim you have an incredibly low amount of money that you live on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, I, I live here for free and, uh, and I, I have a garden and, uh, and I, I do odd jobs around the neighborhood. I, I pull out stumps and, and I, uh, do this and do that, and uh, and the, the the people at the Amish market, well, they give me freebies every once in a while. So, just just by the providence of God, I I hang on from day to day, and week to week, and month to month. And uh, every night I get on my knees and I thank God for that. And and uh, but but I think you know we we really have to rely more on the providence of God. And, and not be and not be worried about all this stuff because personally I think that's what got us here in the first place is naked greed and uh, and just looking out for ourselves and and not really helping out other people and uh, I, I I could I could talk about my my grandmother and how selfish she was she she just destroyed her whole legacy and and, and sold her house and, and everything else and, and just wanted to, to live high off the hog and uh and she she really didn't didn't care about her children and, and uh I mean she she wasn't like a it's a familiar story. She, I, I I'm not i I'm not saying she was totally wicked. I, I mean she said a rosary every day and uh and she died a good Catholic and I pray for her every day but 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 in some ways, she, she was just so selfish. I, I, I remember one time I was uh, I was playing a video game. That this was way back in the in, in the eighties, and, uh, and and my video game was going to be done in less than a minute.
but but she was just so afraid that she was going to miss the the beginning of her game show or whatever and uh and, and she was just badgering me to, to 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 get off the get off the council and so on and so forth and so i i, I just unplugged the game and, and 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 let her have the television set i mean i really didn't care that much it's not like i was going to have a knockdown drag out fight about it but 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 for a a 75 year old person to, to, to be acting like a, you know, acting like a teenager that that's just un unsettling. Well, you bring it, you bring up a good, you, you bring up a point about uh, <clears throat> the greed and uh, that's, you know, we shouldn't theoretically, we shouldn't need much of a safety net, social safety net America and anywhere because, and America is different from, if you look, go to Asian countries, uh, really any non-white countries, those societies still uh, have much more of a family uh, spirit. Well, well, they do in Mexico too. Yeah, exactly. Because well, it's not; it's really not white, and it's largely Catholic, and they're old. They're old school, but uh, and they revere their elders a lot. A lot of what's wrong in this country is that we don't revere our elders. There's we no don't. We don't anymore. No, no, the kids spit on them. Yes, not at all, and uh, and it's. Uh, Oh, well, yeah, I remember the trend in the 70s. Uh, all the elders were going to nursing homes. They weren't going yes. to live with their children. And that was, and again, that was an American, Western phenomenon, especially in America. And I've written a lot about that. And um, if that's what happens with relatives, you know, for people that, uh, you know, eccentric people or whatever, people that just don't get married, they end up on their own. It used to be that those people, the uncles and aunts and cousins, uh, lived with some family member. Right. That's where well, well, since World War II, we've lost two classes of people. The, the, the first is the, the idea of the extended family, and the extended home. Yes. I, I know that my grandmother's home in Twin Rocks, my, my, my great uncle, uh, I had two great uncles and, uh, and a cousin that, that were living there, uh, along with the youngest son that hadn't moved out yet. And, and the other class that, that we've lost is, is the so-called servant uh, worker class. Mm -hmm. uh, Back in the old days, the, the rich people that they had gardeners, that, that they had maids, they had cooks, mm -hmm. uh, that they had butlers, that they had there was this whole class of people that, that was basically supported uh, by the people they worked for, and they might have gotten a little stipend, and uh, but but they were largely taken care of, and, and we didn't have all these people on the welfare doles. I had clotheslines in Brooklyn. My clothes used to be hung out on clotheslines in Brooklyn. You could tell when it was like we're cleaning underwear today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I've been living on the corporate plantation all my life. Uh, on what plantation? The corporate plantation. Oh, the corporate. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's uh, and that's what you know. And it's. <laughs> Again, my book "Survival of the Richest" uh, is is about all this, but we talk about how uh, how things have changed. And well, well, I was introduced to the corporate plantation in the 1980s uh, when I worked at the steakhouse at Park City Mall, and it was it was part of a chain of steakhouses. It was a franchise, and I absolutely could not believe how moronic the the corporate headquarters was, and and that's where I came up with the asshole curve. Which is that the higher you are up in a corporation, the more of an ignorant asshole you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that was, And again, that's, you know, we, we used to cherish those things. Blue collar workers, uh, you would, uh, we all knew that basically the higher up you were, the less competent you were, the less work you did. 
I mean, that, right. that's the reality of the, of the, of the corporate world. And, and again, but, they, but the myth is that it's the exact opposite. It's the people, oh, well, God, you know, and anybody, I love when we say anybody can flip burgers, anybody do it. You mean, well, anybody, anybody can't be a vice president in charge of looking out the window, attend meetings and go, that's right. That's right, JR. That's right, JR. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> but they used to come up with the most boneheaded ideas. I remember, I'll never forget the night that, that they introduced this, this seafood combo. And we were a steakhouse, and these bozos knew nothing about seafood, and neither did I. And, and you're putting this this combination out of a bag in the fryer, yeah. and the, uh, the the piece of fried salmon is still frozen in the middle, but the clam strips are burnt to a crisp. <laughs> and uh, and I was having trouble with that thing all night. And and, and so I, I remember just going out in, in into what we used to call the moat. And, and I just ripped the thing off the off the wall and, and, and told the customers coming down the line that, that I'm sorry, we're out of this item. It's it's not available for, for tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, that was one of the worst, the worst nights of my life. The the, the employees were all bawling by the time clock. The the, the the district manager locked himself in the office and and uh, <laughs> I was basically running the whole show and and I think I did a pretty good job, all, all things considered but uh but if nothing that job taught me how to think on my feet and uh and well i want i want to get uh harland uh harland how did you get how did you get in our world when, when did you start going down these rabbit holes how long have you been awake well it's, it's discordant on what level you know i mean i started you know paying attention to a lot of the 9-11 stuff you know years ago uh, i was actually in Wood park new jersey on 9-11 i was leaving there that morning as the towers was falling and i didn't even uh, know that it had happened until like three o'clock that day but you know as the years went on i always kind of thought that you know well something didn't smell right about that and you know later on you know a few years went by and first time i was on a plane uh you know i'd heard about the airplane moat so I was looking at, you know, my phone. I didn't know any better. And I'm just sitting there looking, about to turn it on the airplane mode. And next thing I know, we wasn't up that high and there's no phone signal. The first thing I thought of, I said, well, how in the hell did they make those phone calls on 9-11? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that was about 2007. And uh, then that's when I kind of started looking around. And, but, you know, I kind of figured myself more... You know, I, I kind of base stuff on the facts. You know, I like to bitch and complain, you know, anyway, it seems. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if you're looking at somebody's shirt and it's red, well, the shirt is red. You might mm -hmm. be able to give it another name mm -hmm. and call it flame red, mm -hmm. or, you know, or just whatever, you know, somebody comes up with. But at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff, you know, I'm just looking, you know, for the facts. I don't get off and all this crazy shit. Killing on, you know, and all of that, no. but it's surprising to me how many people just ignores what's right in their face. You know how people nowadays they lean into flip flopping. It's like a, a deviancy or something. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole stuff with Trump. Ever since you know he's came along, it didn't take six months to a year just to see that was a total con. Mm -hmm. And look where it's went from there. 
Yeah, well, anybody who's still supporting Trump has no functioning brain cells. He, he basically he basically led those people into a trap on January 6th, and then he let them all high and dry. And uh, how anybody can support uh, a scumbag like that, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I hope they don't do this, but I, and I don't make predictions because I don't know what they're going to do. But I think there is the there is a way for Trump to get back in the White House, and I think they may engineer it so that he wins the election from jail, and that they actually have him serving his time. I can see that would be like a new twist on their tail, and then the side that the millions that hate him would really go nuts to see him in jail, and his side would still be oh, see he, he can do it. I, I mean, I don't know that they would do that, but I can yeah, see. That's that's very possible. I mean, the, the long game, as far as they're concerned, is is they want a civil war. They want the American people at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. That's that's what they're looking for. I, I mean, I can see that with the pandemic. That's one of the things that, that the pandemic has done. It's created two groups of people that, that are absolutely polarized. You've got you've got people like us, which uh, which you're going to put a shot into my cold, dead bones Right. And then you've got these other people that are lining up for their eighth booster right. and they don't want to hear the truth. And, uh, and they want those, the, those two poles to start shooting at each other. That's, that's what they're after. I think the transgender, this whole transgender thing is it, it's the same thing. It, it is the same thing that they want those transgenders marching down the streets uh, to, to the point where, where people like us start shooting back because we can see that there's that, that basically if these transgenders had their way, that there is no tomorrow. You, you, you're going to wake up and your, your city is going to be an absolute hellhole. Well, it's just gotten so Thank you for the kind words, Prairie, Prairie Fire. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm glad you're listening. Good to see Steve Cameron. I pardon it. And then pardon himself and a couple rappers. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can, Again, I don't make predictions, but this has become so theatrical, so uh, idiocracy-like. I can't think of a better idiocracy move than to have uh, Trump be president again from prison. I don't know, and, and, but it's—I don't know. I mean, to me, it looks like I—I I just think it's—it's—it's it, it's weird because even when I knew that politics was uh, corrupt, and I knew they didn't really. They, they manipulated things with their pre-election polls. And so Dennis Kucinich and Cynthia McKinney, people like that would be at 1% to, to, to make sure nobody voted for them. But I, I never thought it would get to this point where it's just, it, it really is, it's, it's indistinguishable from what you saw almost in uh, idiocracy. And a matter of fact, did you hear that President Camacho himself, Terry Crews, is planning to run for president? So maybe they'll elect him. I mean, would that would that be the the ultimate irony that the the, the president, the actor that played the president, like Zelensky, right? Zelensky played the president of uh, <laughs> of Ukraine before getting actually elected. Maybe they'll have Terry Crews be actually elected. Maybe he'll call himself President Camacho. I don't know at this point. Why not? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, it what, might as well. I mean, yeah. look what we've got now. I mean, why go back to Trump? You know, we know what that's yeah. going to be. I don't see how that he's going to claw back. You know, no. five, six, seven states that he barely won to start with. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tony says well, well, Harlan, you're thinking that these elections are real. Yeah, this would this is all predicated on because I, I don't know. The the problem is that they don't they don't really need to commit much vote fraud because the people exactly. are that 
they are that stupid. And uh, so for people to think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Biden got 81 million votes, but uh, I mean, the people are, they're dumb enough to elect anybody. I think they're, that they talk to them. I see the signs walking around my neighborhood. I saw a bunch of Biden signs and uh, it's like, really? And, and I, I see signs for Jerry Connolly, my awful congressional yeah. representative that usually runs unopposed. There's signs for him all the time, never for his opponent, if he has one. And so I see the people, uh, I talk to them and I, I, you know, I try to, I just, okay, end the conversation. But so I know there are people out there. I do think in, in the last election, I think Arizona, there was massive fraud. I think, I think Carrie Lake definitely got screwed and, and Blake Masters. I agree with that. But, but those are the only two I know for sure did, because I know Arizona isn't that bad, bad yet. But some of these other states, I mean, why would you, I mean, just look at some of these, uh, these people, they're like, they, they, they got the Chicago got rid of Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, and then they got somebody even worse in there. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's, he is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> it's like, well, the, the part that I, that I can't buy about all of it. I just don't see how 160 some million people showed up in the middle of a pandemic when two thirds of the people were scared of their own shadow. Yeah, you know, as far as the percentage wise goes, you know, I, I could believe that. I mean, I can see how and I saw it, you know, two, three years before the election that a lot of people was just not going to show up and vote for Trump that did the first time. And he had all the support that he had at the time. And he lost a bunch of that support. If oh, anybody's yeah. been to Georgia, you know, in the last four or five years, I mean, just look around. I mean, it's not, you know, hardly a conservative stronghold mm -hmm. everywhere you look and on every street corner. Is that where you're at, Harlem, Georgia? No, well, I'm actually in Colorado right now, but I go to Georgia a lot. I, I live in Tennessee. He doesn't uh, sound like he's from Georgia. No, no I, I live in Tennessee. I people, when I go to load somewhere, we have to give them a tag number a lot of times. Well, where is that accent? Where Where is that coming from? Where, where, uh, where Tennessee. Tennessee, there you go. Yeah, well, you if go. you're in Colorado, make sure you stay way up in the hills. Stay away well, from the I'm just here five corridors. I'm just here until, you know, we get done talking and I'm going to head east. But okay. back to the election, the part that I've said for a long time, and I've seen people deny, I've seen people scream, you know, fraud. There's fraud in every election. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. More in, in 2020 than they usually are. Well, probably so. I've seen the 2,000 mules documentary. Yeah. I can buy some of that stuff. There's probably been fraud in the majority of elections going all the way back to the yeah. to the founding. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at everything, the net losses under Trump since 2016, and you zoom out the graph, as far as you know, the Republicans, the conservatives, conservatives, <laughs> whatever, you know, you want to call them, you know, Everything keeps going down. You know, you're at a net loss of nine or ten governors. You've got you've lost a net loss of what is it about twenty? It's somewhere in the twenty range in the house, right? You know, he got a net loss in Pennsylvania this year, or excuse me, last year in the Senate. You know, everybody says you know where they were saying for a while the propaganda was well, Ron DeSantis wouldn't be there where he's at if it wasn't for Trump. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll go for that, but neither would Fetterman. You know, I mean, yeah. Trump wouldn't endorse, you know, the black lady. Right. He jumped yeah. over, you know, with, with Dr. Oz, and, yeah. and basically the scarecrow wound up beating the wizard.
Yeah, that, that, that is a joke. That is a joke. That man is still in office. Why? Yeah, well, it's, it's, me, well that's what, but people. People uh, they don't, and this is what the Republicans do. They they don't acknowledge what has happened since the 1980s. The massive demographic changes. They don't understand, and and they of course they've enabled it by their their support of open borders. Do you think if you're getting all these people who have no traditional ties to traditional America, who are largely re rejecting a lot of our traditional culture, uh, why would you think they weren't going to vote for these crazy people who are, who are giving them something that's anti, you know, what we think of as of American, anti-American? So you end up with the Fetterman types. You end up with a lot of these people that, uh, and it's it's they act as if the policy hasn't been what it was since Reagan. Again, Reagan, a really big, and I'll have a lot of more about Reagan in the next book, always was open borders, never even promised to do anything with immigration. He waved them Yeah, up. well, Reagan sure as heck fooled me. Flag waving Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, he fooled a lot of people. I mean, he's, he, he was... Uh, well, I can kind of allow some for Reagan because you know they did try to kill him. They hadn't even been there. Well, know? yeah, and that 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 could have had something to do with it. But yeah, that's but what we've heard now for forty some years. I've heard all my life. I'm almost forty five. How great he was! Look yeah. at the stuff that took place under him. You yes. know, I saw Georgia Ann has got something up about red flag laws. Yeah. And the stuff about, you know, our governor trying to pass uh, red flag laws and a bunch of other, you know, junk uh, to say it, you know, nicely, trying to keep this family friendly. <laughs> but, you know, look, a lot of these conservatives, you just cannot make chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump, Orange Jesus himself, was the very one that started this red flag stuff on the Republican side. NRA, which in my opinion is a bunch of useless, you know, just grifting scumbags, always have been. I broke down and bought a membership once after the event that shall not be mentioned in 2012, one time, and that's it. And they sent me, you know, probably $1,000 worth of postage in the years after that, and I only gave them $35. But there in Tennessee, you know, they had the shooting back here a few months ago in Nashville. And basically, you know, a bunch of Democrats come in, clapped their hands. You know, the governor and some of these Republicans, you know, they just scattered, you know, like scared chicken and, and scared guineas. Absolutely. You know, I mean, like I said uh, on uh, Tom Cooper's show, you know, basically, you know, a guinea is a useless bird that you can't even, you know, eat. And it just runs around shitting all over the place and eating, <laughs> and that's how it does. But, well, 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 I've been hearing... The red flags won't go anywhere in Tennessee, but we'll see. They're supposed well, to have a. Let's hope that. But they had, they have to be remember, Trump was the one to push that. Billy Ray, if you're out there, uh, you want to uh, you want to take me out. I mean, I can end the broadcast, but I think Billy Ray can do the music. I don't know if you're listening or not. If not, I'll end it. Uh, hey, my grandma, my great grandmother was Italian, and she was a great cook, man, and she was a guinea. The so, best, they're the best, the best, that's the, the best food. Uh, go around, uh, John, John, any, you want to get out any links or anything? Well, I wasn't talking about Italians, John. I was talking hey, about I just want to talk about the, the nights of the storm.com. Yeah. Check them out sometime if you can. Okay. And, uh, White Wolf, you got any links or anything? Anyone? No, I don't want to grift anything. Uh, I just wanted to say that, yeah, if you want to have me on to talk more extensively about Fatima and, and about, 
uh, the relevance to today and what's going on in the church and in the state, uh, I, I, I would love to do that. I think your audience would be very interested. Fascinating. Fascinating. We appreciate it. White Wolf, you're, you're a, a renaissance man there in, in, in uh, Amish land. Love talking to you. Uh, Harlan, anything, anything you want to promote? Any links or anything? You know, you can find me on Facebook at Harlan Stonewall, and I'm on Twitter at Real Harlan. Oh, that's great. I, I, I appreciate all your support. Appreciate everybody listening. I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll end this myself. Sorry for the confusion, but it ended up being a great show. Thanks to you guys. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks everybody out there. Thanks everybody for listening to I protest. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, Don. Take care guys. Thanks, Don. See you all Take later. Take care. Okay.